Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We have reason to celebrate this Christmas, don't we, everybody? We have reason to celebrate. Today, we're going to start this Christmas series, Reason to Celebrate. One of the reasons we have to celebrate, of course, is not just that Jesus came into this world as a, as a child, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger type of thing. Obviously, Jesus is, as they say, the reason for the season, and he certainly is. We have reason to celebrate, too, because all of us have been blessed. Uh, um, well, not all of us. Some of us will be blessed in the future with children. The Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Did you know that? That they're a gift from God and they're the reason to celebrate. How many love your kids? All you moms and dads better get your hands up, especially if your children are sitting next to you. You need to do that. Okay. All right. Um, today, I'm going to teach about how to raise G-rated kids in an R-rated world. How many know that we're probably now, in fact, I heard another pastor say he, he really feels we're living in an X-rated world. And the truth, that's the truth of the matter. It, it really is. But we're going to talk about how to raise G-rated kids in an R-rated world. And I want to start with a verse of Scripture that's very, very common. Uh, you see it on, on plaques and, and decorations all the time. And many of you haven't memorized this. Joshua 24, 15. And, and it, it says this, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we're just going to serve the Lord. That's, that, I've made the decision we are going to be a household of faith. We're going to serve the Lord. The question is, uh, is then, how do you do that? How do you actually live out that verse? And I want to teach you some things that are so important today that as you live your life for the glory of God, as you live your life with a focus on Jesus Christ, that, that, you, that in choosing to serve God as a family, then you have to weave your relationship with the Lord, weave that into the very fabric of your family, that it's just part of who you are. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you two things right off the bat that's gonna be so encouraging to you. First of all, if you're sitting in the room and you're saying, Yo, Pastor, it's too late, I've already done a terrible job, or Pastor, it's too late, I'm doing a terrible job, and my kids have been affected, you know, and it's the pity party that comes with it, I, I, got, I got some things to tell you. First of all, letter A, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. I cannot be a perfect parent, but I can get better. I can't be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. I want you to know I have four children. You are not looking at a perfect parent. I promise you that. This guy has made lots of mistakes in parenting, and I've learned a lot. But all of my days, all of my days of parenting, I've just, I'm just getting better and better and better because I'm growing in wisdom. I'm growing in wisdom. I'm always feeding myself. I'm always learning how to be a better dad, how to be a better father, how to be a better husband. So there is no such thing as a perfect, as a perfect parent, but you can get better. And here's what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 24, 3 says, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. The Bible says we are called to grow in wisdom. Did you know that? That, that we can do better. We're to grow in wisdom. In fact, it also says that if you ask for wisdom, God will never withhold that. He's going to give it to you if you just long for it. If you long to be a wise person, it's there for the taking, everybody. You ask for it, you pursue it, and you will grow in wisdom. The second bit of encouragement I have for you is I cannot create perfect children, but I can point them to a perfect father. 
I want, I want to tell, because I'm going to use some illustrations of, of my own family, and I want you to know today, I, do, I am not a perfect father, my wife is not a perfect mother, and our children are not perfect children. I could tell you stories, everybody, that our children are not perfect children, that we, we have had stories, I have had moments with, with my children. I remember one time, I, I tell you, I took my oldest son by surprise. He, he mouthed off to his mom. And uh, he regretted that, everybody, because I, I, got, I got in his face, and, and I told him from a different perspective. I looked at him, and I said, nobody talks to my wife like that. And I'll tell you, you should have seen his eyes. Well, he never did that again, because he saw a look in dad that he had never seen before. Nobody talks to my wife like that, right? So he, he, I'm telling you, in our house, we had moments. There were moments where boundaries were tested, we, 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 we saw disobedience, we experienced disobedience. We, we, I'm, I'm just telling you, there's no perfect. I'm proud of all of my children, but none of them are perfect. I guarantee you, they're not. And Jennifer and I are not perfect either, but we've grown a lot. And I'm gonna teach you some things that we've grown uh, through and, and have seen over the years that I pray are helpful. So my goal today is not to brag whatsoever. My goal is, is, is to help you Become the parent that God has called you to be. And I pray, I pray that you're better at it than I am. I pray that you are. Because, because our, our kids, this generation, in fact, they, they need some parents, they need some leaders to, to stand up for what's right and to live a life of love and service and authenticity in front of them. So I'm going to teach you some things that are so important today. And we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So I want to tell you... Um, as we get into this verse of scripture, first of all, what I'm going to convey to you today is certainly not all from me. Um, I, only recently have I felt like I have some level of authority to teach in this subject matter, although I've never, I've never refrained from teaching it. Uh, I just depended upon the words of others. Um, because you, you, to be honest with you, when, you know, when your children are you know, six and, and eight and nine years old or something like that, it's hard to, to teach about parenting when your kids aren't raised yet They're, because you don't have the authority. Everybody's looking at me, yeah, okay, but you don't have teenagers, right? I mean, that's how, well, pastor, that was good. I mean, it was okay, but you don't have teenagers. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, now I have three kids in college, and that means I've learned even a lot more over the years. And so some of it is going to be from me, but a lot of it is going to be from other people too because I, I've just, over the years, things have just stuck with me as I've learned it from other people. And we're talking um, uh, some of my, well, a book that changed my life. I'll tell you about it later. His name was Ted Tripp. I'll, again, I'll explain that in a second. Uh, Pastor Larry, you know, uh, uh, who's very dear to me. Um, Dr. Dobson, I learned a lot from Dr. Dobson, pretty much anything focused on the family uh, oriented. Uh, Craig Rochelle, my wife just heard a, a sermon from Craig Rochelle a couple of weeks ago, uh, who pastors the largest church in the nation, his life church. And... Um, uh, he, he, he spoke about parenting, and my wife said, you've got to listen to this. So I listened to it. And, uh, and in fact, she, she passed it around to several other people saying, hey, you've got you to gotta listen to this. This is great stuff. And it really was. And actually, the passage of Scripture that Craig Rochelle uh, used is actually the same Scripture that I was planning on using today, although I'm going to take it a different direction. But it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. And, and then I'll explain it to you. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all, all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. 
I'm going to read that again, everybody. This is so important. I'm going to read those two verses again, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Every single fiber of your being should be absolutely in love with your heavenly Father. And you should live that out. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So he's saying, take these commandments and take your love for God and impress these things into your children. In fact, your love, uh, your love of God should be weaved in the very fabric of your life. That every single conversation that you have, the foundation of it is your heavenly father, is, is the love that you have for God. That every decision you make is founded upon your love for God, your love for his word, that you're, you're thinking about his nature and his character and his will. You're thinking about your relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that your relationship with God is literally weaved through the fabric of your life. That your children should know that every single thing that you do and say, every decision that you make is based upon God, your relationship with him, your love for him, and your love for truth, your love for his word. Everything, everything should be Christ-centered. Everything. Now, this portion of scripture, this is, I'm going to teach the Bible just for, for, well, of course, I teach it every Sunday morning, but I'm going to focus on this portion of scripture just for a little bit. This portion of scripture in Deuteronomy is called the Shema. In Hebrew, it's the word Shema. And it comes from, obviously, the Hebrew word Shema is the very first word of Deuteronomy 6.4. When it says, hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel. So the word Shema means to listen or to hear. And this is a prayer, this Shema, this prayer that follows. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and then the continuation of that is a prayer that even to this day, that Orthodox Jews pray every morning and every night. In fact, this is the most prominent prayer in all of Judaism. It's the most prominent, important prayer in the life of a Jew, in the life of the, uh, of the Israelites, even to modern day Jews. It's the most important prayer. To this day, for thousands of years, and I mean that literally, for thousands of years, the Jews have been praying this prayer every day, every day for thousands of years. In fact, they not only pray it, but as they pray it, they cover their eyes. And oftentimes, if they, if they don't pray this prayer, they'll sing this prayer. It's become a song to many of them, and they'll cover their eyes. And the reason that they cover their eyes is so that they can meditate on the words because the words are so important. So it's like this. Have you ever noticed that that the Bible never says, you know, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes when it comes to prayer. Did you know that? that? Did you know that sometimes I start praying here at the end of a service? I, in fact, I did it this morning. And uh, I start praying. And sometimes when I'm praying, I'm still looking around. The Bible never tells you that you have to close your eyes. But what does it do when we close our eyes? When we close our eyes, it cuts out all distractions. So closing your eyes is very appropriate. And it, and it makes it a very personal moment, which is why we do it here at New Song. I'll say, hey, would you just bow your heads with me? Well, a lot of times when I start to pray, my eyes are still open. And a lot of times I can see in the eyes of, of other people who haven't closed their eyes yet. And I'm, I'm neither for it nor against it. It just is what it is. 
The Bible never says you have to close your eyes when you pray. But we do it to cut out distractions. And that's what, even to this day, Orthodox Jews, they cover their eyes and they'll sing or actually pray this prayer, the Shema. Now, the, the word Shema, hear or listen, doesn't mean just to hear or to listen. So in the original Hebrew language, the, the, the word that we would have today in our language is so often used, and yet they didn't really have a word associated with it in their language, and the word is obey, obey. So we just use that word, obey. Well, in, in, in the Hebrew language, they didn't have a word like that. So the word that they used oftentimes was shema, and it meant that not only listen to, but listen and adhere to, or listen and attend to the words that, are, that, that you're hearing. So, so Shema would be a, to not only listen, but to respond. Listen and respond. So when, when even to this day, when Jews are praying this prayer, they're, they're, they're saying, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then they continue it and say, uh, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And they're saying, I'm not only going to hear that, I'm actually going to do that. I'm adhering to what God is saying to me, that I'm going to love him with every single thing that I have. That's why it's the most important prayer, the most prominent prayer, prayer that even to this day for thousands of years that Jewish people pray. And I think it's a great prayer. I think it's a, a wonderful prayer, the Shema. Now, that being said, Jesus actually is confronted by a Pharisee, by a religious person, uh, long after, again, centuries, multiple centuries after this original Shema, this original prayer, Jesus is asked a very important question, and actually Jesus responds with the Shema. Now, I want you to see this in Scripture. So, so all of a sudden, Scripture should be coming alive to you here. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says, Once... One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked him of all of the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. And the first word that came out of his mouth, the most important one is this, Shema. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. Now, I, don't, I didn't have enough uh, space to put the entire passage of Scripture in, in your sermon notes, but it goes on to say that, that this Pharisee said, he said, you're exactly right. Like, I completely agree with you. So it's so interesting that Jesus' response was the Shema, but he also followed it with, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, so if you just do, love God with all that you have, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're going you're gonna to fulfill the commandments. And the religious person, this Pharisee, looks at Jesus and said, I think you're exactly right. I think you hit the nail on the head. And Jesus looked back at him and he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Said, well, let me tell you why he, he wasn't yet in. Notice Jesus didn't say you're in the kingdom of God now. Oh, now you got it. Now you're part of the kingdom. He said, no, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So now you understand God's heart, that it's not about law, it's about love. And when you love, you'll naturally meet the requirements of the law. So it's not about law, it's about love. And Jesus is saying, you're not far from the kingdom of God. There's just one thing you're missing. You're missing a relationship 
with me, you haven't, you haven't put the, your trust in the fact that I'm sitting right here before you and the, the, I'm the Messiah, the Son of God, and I've come to save you from your sins. He's saying, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I understand that now you understand what love is, but now when you look at me, you're looking at love. How many know we have reason to celebrate this Christmas? Because Jesus is, his very life was a life of love. He gave his life for us because he loved us so much. And I'm telling you, New Song, listen to your pastor. You can live a life of love and generosity and service, and you can come to church every single Sunday, but that doesn't mean you're in the kingdom of God. You're close to it. It doesn't mean you're in it. The only way you can be in the kingdom of God is by trusting Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Not your works, not your goodness. Just trusting in him and him alone. And that's how you accept. That's how you follow Jesus. That's how you surrender your life to Jesus. And that's how he makes your life brand new. When you fully trust him as Savior. That's what Christmas is all about. It really is. And we have reason to celebrate. Now, did you learn something this morning about the Word of God? Okay, so we take these truths and we impress them on our children. That my relationship with God is first and most in my life. My love for God is first and most in my life. I'm going to leave God, my Heavenly Father, at this. He's going to be the central focus of my life. And of course, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Central focus of my life. And, and now, when you decide to do that, you, you start learning truths as you grow in wisdom to help raise your family to believe and to trust and to love Jesus as much as you do. You'll grow in wisdom, everybody. The Holy Spirit will help you do this. And I'm, I'm going to help you today. I'm going to show you these things in the Word of God today, how to raise G-rated kids in an R-rated world. I'm going to go through these very, very quickly. So listen quickly, okay? Uh, the, the first one is, here's what you need to know. That my child will learn some from what I say but they're going to learn far more from who I am. They're going to learn some from what I say, but most of their learning is not from what you say, New Song, it's from who you are. Craig Rochelle said it this way, children will learn not from what you say, but from what they see. They learn from what they see, not what you say. Okay, so that means, everybody, that I have to very openly live out my relationship and my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to live that out very openly, and my children need to see me living that out in my life. They need to see a man of integrity. They need to see a man of worship, a man of the word, a man who's going to respond the way that God wants him to respond, that I'm not going to give in to my emotions. I'm going to, I'm going to align myself with the word of God. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to be, instead of shouting at my neighbors because they're making me mad, I'm going to love them and serve them and care for them. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to respect them. I'm going to be friendly to them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, let me say, when I get mad at the waitress, I'm not going to leave a small tip. I'm going to leave a generous tip because that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm talking about? And that must be a waitress in the, in the room today, a servant in the room, right? <laughs> yeah. Leave Come on, everybody. That'll preach right there. I don't know who did that. I'm trying not to look because, uh, but I got your back up here. I got your back. All right. Give them big tips. Um, Proverbs 14, 26 says this, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. I'm going to teach you on this just for a second. One of the things that I believe that we're missing most in, in today's family, in the family unit, 
is, is not just loving God and worshiping God, but I've taught you this a few weeks ago. It is a fear of the Lord. We are far too casual when it comes to God. And you need to teach your children to fear the Lord. And I don't mean to be scared of God. I mean to have a respect and awe of God. Teach them the bigness of God. Teach them the, greatest, the greatness of your God. Teach them the fact that when God speaks, he's, he can speak galaxies into existence. When he speaks, he can heal the sick. When he speaks, the blind can see. When, when he speaks, the miraculous happens. You need to teach your children, don't be casual about your relationship with God. Because by the way, he wasn't casual in his relationship with you, so much so that he sent his son to pay the price for your sins so you wouldn't have to pay it. He wasn't casual with you, and we shouldn't be casual with him. This is what it says in Psalm 34:11. I believe it says something like this. The, the psalmist says, come to me, my children, come to me, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If, if you just hang around me, if you hang around me. See, one of the things that my children knew hanging around me, they had a healthy respect for God. It wasn't a fear. They knew that God was loving and compassionate. They, they knew the fact that when we're in trouble, we can run to him. How many know he's a very present help in times of trouble? That he's a fortress, he's a refuge that we run to. The Bible says we run to him and we are safe. So certainly I taught my children that, but I also taught them to stand in awe of God. We were never casual about even using God's name in our house. Because it's God we're talking about. And, and you know how it is, everybody. And I, I'm, I'm just going to use this as, as one example. That, that you know, when, when, when you're raising children, you have, you have a lot of influence in their life. But then a lot of times they're outside underneath your covering. So they're at school or they're at, with their friend's house or they're, they're whatever. And, and I remember my children sometimes coming back. And, and I remember the first time that one of my children used the phrase, oh, my God. And it just grieved me, everybody. It grieved me. I, I didn't want my children, I didn't want my child speaking like that because it, th think about this, everybody. It's not, it's not just a matter of taking the Lord's name in vain. You're speaking his name so casually, so casually. Like, oh my God, I hate that. So I, I, told, I, I just tell my children, that's, that's not the language we use in my house because my God is great. He's big. He deserves my entire devotion, he deserves my all. And to casually throw his name out like he's no big deal, that's wrong. We're not going to do that in my house. And my children just knew. We well, don't say that. It, one time they sent me a text. I forgot which one, but it said, OMG. And I, I, you know, I pretty much responded in my own loving, gentle way. <laughs> Hopefully you meant, oh, my goodness. You know, because we don't, we don't use God's name casually in our house. Why? I'm teaching them the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You need to teach your children, don't be casual about your relationship with God. And, and I'm not just picking on that. I'm talking in all things. When, when, just in all things, when we're all praying, you're going to pray too. We're not going to goof around when we pray. We're not going to play jokes when we pray. When we go to church, we're going to be all in. We're going to pay attention. You're not going to misbehave in church. Why? Because we're listening about the things of God. We take that seriously in our house. You're like, wow, your house sounds like no fun at all. Can I tell you something? Actually, we had a riot in our house 
We had fun all the time, but I set up boundaries that were healthy boundaries. And once I set those boundaries, my children did not go outside of those boundaries. Or when they did, they were very quickly brought back in. Why? Because I'm the parent. And I'm meant to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. How many, how many can say an amen to that? And I'm telling you, it's just good parenting. So laugh with them, play with them, hug them. Tickle fights galore. We would call it WrestleMania 2000. And we would wrestle and we would, I mean, we had fun, y'all. We had fun. I used to camp, I mean, for years, I would camp out with my kids, camp out with my kids on the floor every Friday night. We did that for years. We would stay up playing games and talking and I would sleep on the floor with them until about two o'clock in the morning. Then I'd go get in my bed. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so have fun. I'm not, our home was anything but serious, but we didn't mess around when it came to our view of God because he's God. And he is meant to be feared and exalted above everything and everyone else in your life. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, the second thing, a child never benefits from a loss of innocence. Never, never. You need to protect the innocence of your children. The Bible says this in Psalm 101, verse 3. And I hope, I hope you attend to this verse. It says this, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I want to teach you something so important this morning. Whatever you're okay with in your life, your children will be okay with in their life. So we just had a rule in our house. If our children can't watch it, we don't watch it. Why? Because I know something. I understand something a lot of people don't. That if I'm okay something, with something, my children will be okay with that. I don't want them to be okay with vile things. I want vile things to grieve them the way that it grieves God. And so I'm not okay with it. So I just trained my children. When something comes on television that's inappropriate, um, it was just who's going to get to the remote first because we're going to change channels. Well, I'm halfway in the middle of that show, though. I don't care. It was just going off. Like We, don't, we just don't watch that stuff. It, what, I, you know me. I love, I love the Green Bay Packers, y'all. I love the Green Bay Packers, and I've watched a lot of Green Bay Packer games. But guess what my kids did, and, and what I did too, every time that it, because every, every football game is going to show the cheerleaders. Well, me and my boys, every time, the, the moment the cheerleaders were on the screen, we immediately turned our heads. I just trained them. They still do that to this day. I just train them. Every time something is inappropriate on the television, we're going to turn our heads. doesn't mean I'm going to shut off the game because Green Bay Packers are awesome. <laughs> But I am going to train my children to turn away from things that are not going to benefit their life. I'm going to protect their innocence. There is no advantage to your child losing his or her innocence, none at all. Well, well Pastor, they're going to lose their innocence at some point, so they might as, well just, might as well go ahead and watch this movie. Well, you can go ahead and get you some of that, but that's not godly. The Bible says don't put your, uh, your, don't put your seal of approval on anything that is vile. Because if you do, parent... Grandparent, your child will too. So you need to be the person that you dream your child will become. Well, I want my children to be men of integrity, women of integrity. Well, I need to be a person of integrity. I, I want them to be innocent. I, I don't want them to know about all, just all of the filth that's out there. I don't want them, okay, you need to stay away from all the filth that's out there. Because they don't imitate what they... They don't imitate what they hear. They imitate what they see. So be careful. 
Be careful, little eyes, what you see. We teach that. Do we live it? By the way, can I give you something to you? I want you to write something down. Pastors in this generation, I've been saying this for years, and now it's kind of, and I, not that I started it, I certainly didn't. I stole it from somebody else, but we all say it the same way that these days. This is pornography in a pocket, your phone is, their phone is. Pornography in a pocket. And I'm going to give you, if, you, if your parents or grandparents in here, I'm going to give you two things to write down really quickly. You need to put a filter on your phone, on all of your phones, yours and theirs, and on your computers. The two that we love the most here at New Song, Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is one. So write that down, and you can take your pick. They're both great. Covenant Eyes is one. The second one is Ever Accountable. Ever Accountable. So in our house... When, when, now, we did not allow our children to get phones when everybody else got phones. When everybody else their age got phones, we didn't do that. And, and Craig Rochelle says it this way. I love it. He says, he says, we often give freedoms to our children that they cannot handle. Why? Because they're children. They're not wise yet. They don't know how to handle those temptations as of yet. So we waited until the right time. But when the right time was to give them a phone, we did not give them a phone without a filter on it. So everything that they see, I see. Now, the good news is when I went to my children I, and I told them, I said, hey, listen, you're getting your first phone. You're going to be tempted to look at things you shouldn't look at. And there's going to be a filter on there. And I want you to know I can see everything that you see. And I would look at them like this. Since I'm going to see everything that you see, please don't make me look at pornography. I don't want to see it. You know what I was telling them? If you see it, you're exposing me to it because I'll see it too when it sends me an email of what you've been looking at. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be exposed to that. You know what that's called, New Song? Accountability. And your children need it. Your children need it. Am I helping you out today? So you got to put some filters on phones and computers. There's not, there's not a piece of technology in our house that does not have a filter on it. And by the way, Jim, my wife is the only one that knows the, the, the password to that. We password protect. The kids don't know. Even I don't know because I don't want to be tempted either. So Jennifer knows it. And I'm telling you, everybody, protect the innocence of your children. There's no benefit at all to them losing their innocence. They have the course of their life to face the world. They should be protected under your care. That's the way God designed it. Don't, you have to live your life. I will, I will approve no vile thing. I will look at no vile thing in my life. I'm going to stay away from it. All right, the third one. You got to help your child choose the right friends. You want a G-rated child in an R-rated world? Help them choose the right friends. Well, pastor, I can't do that. They choose their own friends. Are you the parent or are you not? Because I did not allow my children to choose their own friends. I, I helped them. I steered them. Why? Because of this verse right here, and you know it to be true, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We say it this way in modern day terms, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? And you know that to be true, and yet a lot of people do not guard their children from having the wrong friends. Well, we guarded that in, in our world. We just, we helped our children choose the right friends. Now, when they got older and they started, you know, again, they start working jobs. You're not with them all the time. Then all of a sudden they say, hey, I've got these friends. I've got these friends. Well, then it was time. Okay, we're releasing you. 
We've raised you the right way. We've taught you how to choose the right friend. Now I'm going to follow through and make sure you're choosing the right friends. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. So don't just tell me you have a friend. I want to know all about that friend. And then at the end of the conversation, it's, hey, it sounds like you have a really good friend to me. Or it's, you know what? I'm not for sure if that's the friend that you want to be. Remember, you'll be whoever your friends are. Is that who you want to be? Oh, no. Maybe you ought to look at a different friend. Win that person to Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. But maybe not hang around with them because you'll become who you hang around. So I'm still teaching them. I'm, even in college, I'm paying attention to, to my children's friends. And you think, well, at Bible college, all three of mine are about, well, at Bible college, surely they have any friend they want, really? Because can I tell you something? Some kids at Bible colleges aren't Christians. You know what I'm saying? Some of them not serious about the things of God. So we're still helping them with that. Am I helping you out, new song? Okay, number four, you got to raise children in the right environment. And that's, that's a home environment. Obviously, we've already talked about that, that your love for God needs to be weaved through the fabric of your home, your daily life. But you also need to put them in an environment in which they're going to experience God's presence, his power, and they're going to grow in their relationship with the Lord. This is what it says in Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So if I were to ask, how many of you want your children to flourish concerning the things of God? You would say, I want that. I want my kids to flourish in the things of God. Then you need to plant them in the house of the Lord. Can I, can I tell you, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I, I, you've heard me, if you've been coming to New Song for a while, you've heard me say this. Uh, going to church every Sunday morning, if you are a follower of Christ, should be a non-negotiable in your life. I... I, I it should just be a non-negotiable. We are a people who serve the Lord. We're going to go to church every Sunday morning. It's interesting that the early church, the day that they would meet for church was actually Sunday morning. Did you know that? That's why we meet on Sunday morning. Can I tell you the significance of Sunday morning? It's the first day of the week. So they were, it was their way of telling God, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my week. It belongs to you. I'm going to live with a God-first mentality. So I'm going to give you the first part of my week. I'm going to be in your house every single Sunday morning. I'm going to worship you. Your children need to see you worshiping. Your children need to see you serving. They need to see you caring. They need to see you making a difference. They need to see it. Don't just say it. They need to see it. Because again, you need to be the people that you want your children to be. So if I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you want your children to be, don't, don't raise your hand or nothing, but how many of you want your children to be passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ? Well, guess who needs to be a passionately devoted follower of Jesus Christ? You. How many of you want your children to be generous? You need to be generous. How many of you want your children to be servant-hearted? When they see a need, they fill it. When they find a hurt, they heal it. How many of you want your children to be like that? Servant-hearted, compassionate, they need to see it in you. How many of you want your children to be disciplined? How many of you want your children to raise their children in the church? Well, you need to raise your children in the church. How many know what I'm talking about? You've got to plant yourself in the house of the Lord. You have to put yourself in situations in which your children are going to experience the power and the presence and the love of God, and they're going to grow in that. And then the last one, this last one, a child's behavior exposes the condition of the child's heart. So let, let me say this. For those of you who say, well, my kids, boy, they, they are really ornery. They, they got problems. Well, don't we all? 
Don't we all? Me included. Don't we all, right? I'm going to tell you something that is so very, very true. Your child or children do not have behavioral issues. They have a heart issue. They don't need a behavioral change. They need a heart change. So I'm going to give you the name of a book that changed. It rocked the world. It rocked our world when we even actually. So I've known about this book for a long, long time when Isaac was just so small, my, my oldest. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Shepherding a Child's Heart. And the author is Ted Tripp. Now, if you're offended at giving spankings to children, don't read this book. But if you're like me and you don't, you don't mind a good spanking every now and then, you know a kid needs one, then you're going to love this book. And the truth of the matter is you do, punish for, you do punish for the behavior. There has to be consequences for the behavior, right? That's a lesson that they just need to learn. How many know that you can be 60 years old, but if you misbehave, there's going to be consequences for that? right? So they need to learn that lesson. But remember, you're not changing their behavior. You want them to have a heart change, not a behavioral change. And so you have to shepherd their heart. So when my children get in trouble, and they do, there's consequences to that. But I'm also going to speak with them and say, hey, why? I I know the what, but now I want to know the why. And then I shepherd their heart. And I, I say, hey, this is why we can do better. This is how we can do better. And this is what you need to know about doing better in the future. This is why it makes a difference in your life. And I'm going to shepherd their heart and not just their behavior. And I'm telling you, I'm not a perfect parent and my children are not perfect whatsoever. I promise you that. I have made hundreds of mistakes. And I mean that literally. But at the end of the day, when Justin falls short, grace steps in. And moms and dads and grandparents, when you fall short and you will, grace steps in. Isn't that good news? Grace steps in. And my children are great kids, but not because they have a great dad or great mom. They have a perfect heavenly father who loves them more than I do. And when Justin fell short, grace stepped in. And God will for your kids too. Every single day, I pray a blessing over my children. I call every single one of them by name. And my wife too, by the way. I pray for my wife first, if you want to know the truth. I pray for my wife. And then I call my children by name and I pray for every single one of them every single day. Because where Justin falls short, I need God to step in. And I need him a lot. <laughs> because Justin falls short a lot. You see what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm like you. I'm totally relying upon wisdom, the word of God. And I'm totally relying upon the presence and the power and the love of God in the life of my children too, because he can do more than I could ever do. I cannot change the heart of my child. Only God can do that. I can shepherd their heart, but God is the one that makes us new. And so I'm gonna keep pointing them to a perfect father. I can't be that, but he is. And I'm gonna keep pointing them to my heavenly father. And I would encourage you to do the same. Stand up together. If you don't mind, I'm gonna ask you to, uh, I'm going to ask a question. First of all, two questions. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today's a great day to do that. And you're just, you're just a heartfelt prayer away. If you've never surrendered your life to him, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. But I'm going to ask a question too. 
And, and in fact, this is kind of a personal question. So if you don't mind, would you just bow your heads just for a moment? If you have a child or grandchild, specifically a child or grandchild that does not know Jesus, he's, he or she has not surrendered their life to Jesus. They're not following Christ. And you're concerned, obviously, and you want, and you want me to join you in prayer. Would you raise your hand and let me see who you are? Yeah, lots of hands. There's been so many hands today. Help them, Lord. We're going to pray about that. Heavenly Father, I come before you, a sinner in need of a Savior. And with anybody in this room today that doesn't know you, I'm, I'm praying this prayer along with them, Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Purify me from all unrighteousness. I am a sinner, and I'm in need of Jesus, a Savior, the Savior. Your word says, Lord, that if I come to you and ask you to forgive me, you always say yes. So I thank you now that I'm forgiven, that I have a new life in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And may this be a day of change in my life that will affect all of eternity. As I surrender my life wholeheartedly to you, help me to follow you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray also for every person who has a, a child or grandchild that doesn't know you, I pray that you would encourage them today, strengthen them today, remind them that you love that child far more than they ever could. And at the same time, we pray for those children, Lord. Soften their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would capture their heart, capture their attention, and may they come to know you as Savior, I pray. I call them to you, Lord. Wherever they are, Whatever they're struggling with, Lord, break through, I pray. Have mercy upon them, O oh God. Pursue them, Lord. And we know you are, and we know you will. Save our children and grandchildren, Lord, we pray. And help every single one of us as parents and grandparents and future parents to grow in wisdom to love you first and most and to be the parents and the grandparents that you've called us to be in a world that's very difficult to raise children in. This is truly an R-rated world. Give us the strength and wisdom and the heart to do it. Empower us to be who you've called us to be as we raise the next generation of world changers. And I pray a blessing upon every single family here today and their children in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.